Ephesians 6, we <clears throat> looked at the first half of this verse, so we'll look at the second half of uh, this verse this morning, of Ephesians 6, 4. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not, <clears throat> excuse me, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, just a quick review. We put Ephesians 6, 4 in its broader context. We went back to chapter 4, verse 1, where he says, Walk worthy, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And so this is reality. This is fruit from this, the truth that he talks about in Ephesians 1 through 3 in regards to salvation, in regards to God's calling um, us to salvation. So he says, walk worthy of this 4, 5, 6. He expands on that of what this walk worthy uh, looks like. And then in a closer context, we look to chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, be filled with the Spirit. And then verses 19 to 21, we have results of being filled with the Spirit. And then specifically, verse 21, he says, be subject to one another. This is a result of being filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another, and which takes the work of God in our hearts, doesn't it? It takes uh, the work of the Spirit in our lives to, to submit to one another. We, we can still, we feel that uh, as people maybe tell us what to do, and it grates against us, you know, to, to submit to them, to humble ourselves. And then he focuses specifically on three different relationships of what this submitting looks like. <clears throat> That's the result of being filled with the Spirit, uh, the husband-wife relationship. And then he deals with the, the children and parents relationship, and then he deals with the slave-master uh, relationship of what it looks like to, to be subject, to submit to one another. So this is a result of being filled with the Spirit, so our need, our dependence upon the Lord to produce this, this work in us. It's by, we're saved by grace through faith, and we continue by grace through faith in the Christian life. And if you've been living, I was going to say married, but it doesn't matter if you've been living, if you've been married very long, if you've been a parent very long, if you've been... Um, I mean, here he talks about master-slave. A lot of times we just talk about employee-employer relationship. If you've been in any of those for any amount of time, uh, you know the need for a supernatural work to produce this in you, in us, this work of God. So be filled with the Spirit, be subject to one another, and then we were dealing with verse 4 specifically, parents, fathers. We talked about how I believe that this is specifically speaking to fathers, but has the application to parents here in verse 4. Um, it's a different word, fathers, used from six one, where he talks to parents, so specifically talking to fathers, but of course the, con uh, the broader application to parents. Now there's two commands in this verse, 6.4. The first one we looked at last week, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. And then the second command we're going to look at this morning, bring up your children 
in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And this is the pattern of Scripture. It's not simply stop doing that. It's not simply don't do that. But it's stop doing that and do this. Put off doing this. That's part of the old man provoking to anger. That's part of the old man. Put that off and put on this, bringing up, nourishing, nurturing your children. Put this on. Look back in uh, chapter 4, verse 20. He says, but you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, put, put off that, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And look at verse 23, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the Lord. And then we looked at the examples he gave there through the rest of that chapter of putting off these things of the flesh and put on this. And so here, parents, fathers, this is something we're to do specifically. Put off provoking children to anger and put on this, bringing up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So put this on. And that's just the pattern of the Christian life. If we just focus on the stop doing that, don't do that, don't do that, stop doing that, we keep doing that. <laughs> but it's stop doing that and then have our minds renewed. Okay, what, are we, what am I to put in its place? What thinking is to replace that old man thinking that's having these results of these fleshly responses, of this provoking? What needs to change here? So this is what we're to put on. Bring up your children. And we're, we're going to walk through this verse and going to go back to that last phrase, uh, or the, the, the phrase before, the first part of this verse, and just look at a phrase here. He says, provoke, do not provoke your children. Actually, I'm getting ahead of my notes here. Let's this, this look, uh, look at bring up. He says, bring up your children. Bring up. This is the imperative. This is the command to bring up. The definition is to provide food or is to bring up from childhood. That's the idea here. This same word is used back in verse 29 of chapter 5 in talking to husbands and how they're to love their wife as he loves himself. In verse 29, he says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. That word nourish here is this word bring up. So he's telling them to, to bring up, to nourish your children. Nourish your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Did everyone do okay nourishing your body this week? Well, it depends what that is, right? The healthy food, junk food, what was it? But, I mean, we took care, we saw that we ate, right? We saw that we were taken care of, we nourished ourselves. Well, we're to nourish our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Not only do we have the responsibility to provide physically for our families, but even more importantly, we're to provide spiritually for our families, 
two aspects here of this, or just two thoughts in regards to this spiritual nourishment. Spiritual nourishment is more important than physical nourishment. Remember in Matthew 4, in the temptation of Jesus, Satan tempted him to turn stones into bread. Jesus responded, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. The spiritual nourishment, the nourishment of, of the word is more important than our physical nourishment. And then also spiritual nourishment is to be given all the time. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 6 says this, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So this is to take place all the time. It's not, okay, when can we just... A certain, there is certain times, it's good to have certain specific times where we are looking at the word, nourishing ourselves, just as, yeah, we might snack all, the, all day, but we come to an actual meal. But this all of life, all of life nourishing our children spiritually, he says it's all the time. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, that's all the time. All the time. And then we see, kind of going back to last week, talking about how we don't provoke our children is by being of the Lord. In, in regards to the importance of, it's about our walk with God. Well, we can't be providing this, we can't be providing snacks through the day or those three meals like we're typically eating physically through the day if, if we are not walking with the Lord, if our spiritual life isn't, strong, isn't healthy, isn't real. So I find this helpful to see this, providing this spiritual nourishment as we do food. I don't know about you, but in our house, food is challenging. Anybody else here? Or maybe when your kids were in the home, food being challenging having enough, having healthy food, having it when we're hungry, which, I mean, help me, young people, when are you hungry? All the time. time. Yeah, thank you, which is all the time. I mean, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging for a dad providing, I mean, food is the black hole of the budget, right? I mean, it's like, that's you got a budget because you go to the grocery store and it's like, yeah, I need that, I want that. And you can have two grocery carts full and it's gone in three days. And the kid, there's nothing to eat. We never have anything to eat. <clears throat> but we don't say about food, well, we just won't eat today. It's not that big a deal. Or the next few days. And then think that all will be well in our home. What, we, people start getting hungry, and you know the kids, maybe the little ones are getting grumpy. We think, you know what, maybe they just need to eat a little something, need to get something in their stomach, in their belly. We know that our household will not function properly without it, without physical nourishment. We know that it is a very basic, basic level of parenting to provide food. 
I mean, not only that, parents, we like it too, don't we? I mean, we like food. So we'd miss it too if we didn't have it. Well, in spiritual nourishment, is even more of a priority. We should prioritize spiritual nourishment like we do physical nourishment. Recognize that if the spiritual nourishment is lacking in our homes, it could very well be that it is because it is lacking in us parents. You know, that you think about a couple ladies been having morning sickness. Ladies, when you have morning sickness, do you feel like cooking? There's something wrong there. Someone's sick. A mom is sick. The dad's sick. Do you feel like cooking? And you don't feel like smelling food, right? You know there's something wrong there. If we're not providing that spiritual nourishment in our homes, well, we need to be thinking, well, what's wrong here? What's wrong? You know, am I sick here, so to speak, spiritually, where I'm not healthy spiritually in the Lord right now so that I'm not then providing that to my family? So this bring up, it's this idea of nourishing, and I, I, that was just helpful to me to think about it in, that, in those regards about my family. As my family, I can think this week and say they were nourished physically. Well, have they been nourished spiritually this week? And he says, bring them up, and this is where I wanted to go back to the first part of this verse where he says, don't provoke your children, bring them up. Who? Bring up your children, your children. Maybe you've heard someone say, a dad say, or maybe it was your mom or dad say when you're acting up and your mom or dad would say, well, he's your son. You know, she's your daughter. And, well, here's the reality. They're your children, right? It's, you can't pick and choose. Today, that one's yours, this one's mine. No, they're your children. Bring up your children. And think about this. Your children. Your children that God has given you. God has given you these children. God is sovereign over the womb. These are the children that God has given you. In Psalm 127, verse 3 and 4, it says, Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So your children, they're the ones God has sovereignly given you. Your children, they're a gift of the Lord. Your children are where your hearts, where our hearts are to be turned to, to bring up to the Lord. Malachi 4, 6, and this verse is also quoted in Luke 1, 17. He says, he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with the curse. Interesting, they're just talking about God here in this plan of uniting hearts, hearts of fathers, of sons, or children, and children to their, to their parents. And children, vice versa, the parents that you have are the ones that God has given you. They're the ones God has given you. He didn't give you, he didn't mess up and say, oh, I put you in the wrong family here. I mean, the parents you have are the ones that God has given you. The home God has put you in right now is the home that God would have you to be in. And so what God has given to us, he equips us to honor him with those things. 
And so it is with family. So it is with children. So it is children with your parents. No matter how hard those relationships might, might be, God has equipped, God has put you there and equips you to honor, to respect, to not provoke, to bring up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So these are your children. Now we could clarify that this morning, right? In case anybody was wondering, whose kid are you today? All right, then let's look at these words here. How, how are we to nourish our children? Two things. In the New American Standard, it says discipline and instruction. Discipline and instruction of the, of the Lord. This word, okay, first let me ask you, when you hear the word discipline, what do you think of? Just right away, what do you think of? In, in regards to family, parenting, discipline, you think of what? Spanking. Spanking. I'm from a kid. Anything else? Time out. <laughs> Some form of just of punishment, right? Well, this word is much more broad than that. It, it encompasses that, as we'll see, but it's more broad than that. Let me give you a couple definitions here. It's the act of providing guidance for responsible living. It's to train someone in accordance with proper rules of conduct and behavior. You can turn, turn to Proverbs here. The word here for discipline, the, um, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, translates the word back in chapter 1, verse 2. It uses the same word here as the word discipline in Ephesians 6, 5, and it's the word here, instruction. What's the purpose of Proverbs? To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior. This word is is used um, in Proverbs some 30 times. How many times do you think it, it regards specifically to Physical punishment, corporal punishment, spanking. I don't, timeout's not in there. <laughs> not that that can't be used, but how many times do you think? There's 30 times that this word discipline is used in Proverbs. How many times in regards to specifically physical punishment? Any guesses? 29 out of 30? Four. Yeah, there's actually... Four, Proverbs thirteen twenty four. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him. Discipline uh, disciplines him diligently. So that same word here, and it's the same word for instruction, is translated in this verse, discipline. And then there's three others in regard. So it is part of training. But I mean, I printed out here. These are all the verses here in Proverbs that have that word instruction, discipline. Out of all those verses, there's only, there's four that deal with the rod. Now turn to uh, chapter 4. Chapter 4, and I'm just 
want us to see and, and broaden and just remind us what this word is about, that it's much more broad than a lot of times what we think of, of just, of just the, the discipline, the actual physical discipline. It's, it's much more than that. Look in chapter 4. He says, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching, and do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Verse 8. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. So when you think of discipline, reading that verse, you don't hear the rod there, right? It's so much more than it's this. It's this relationship. It's this dialogue. It's this teaching. It's this training. It's this equipping. It's this saying, listen, son, this is what you're going to face. Listen, daughter, this is what truth is. And if you go this path, these are the consequences. But God's way is, is this way. Treasure this. So, I mean, you just to, to hear what, we're, uh, what he's saying here in Ephesians 6, chapter uh, 4, and in the New American Standard, you read discipline, immediately my mind goes to these physical aspects of disciplining, of correcting, which is part of it, but it's only a small part of it. Coming to the end of his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, Ted Tripp says this, two issues, appeal to the conscience and focusing on God's redemptive work, have been implied in our consideration of communication and the rod. And I just brought out that quote to see how he, in that book, he's dealing with, it's not a book just on the rod. Shepherding the child's heart, he, he deals with multiple things, appealing to the conscience, focusing on God's redemptive work, the cross. And in that, communication and the rod is there. So bring them up and the discipline, and the instruction, and this it's training. We're thinking about equipping. We're thinking about, and Proverbs is a good place to go to look at, okay, what are the things that he is equipping these young people in? Relationships, money, work, spiritual, I mean God. You look at all these things, and you come to the New Testament, and you, you see the 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 reality of that found in Jesus Christ. And then we come to the second word here. We won't spend as much time on it. These words are closely related. Some see them as synonymous, but they, there's a little difference. This word instruction, he says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord or admonishment. It's counsel about avoidance or cessation of improper course of conduct. It's to provide instruction as to correct behavior and belief. It seems a little bit more of the um, 
of, of the warning. The other one is this training, this equipping, this teaching. And this part is more the, hey, you're in this behavior, and this is, getting, you, this is serious, and the warning, and uh, the punishment to follow. In 1 Corinthians 4.14, and, and let me just say in regards to both these words, this is a reality that's to be true, not just for children, but for all believers, but for all those who are in Jesus Christ. I turn to you at Titus, Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And this goes back to the first where we looked at discipline or instruction. Verse 11, Titus 2, says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. What's it do in verse 12? Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire and to live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age. What's the grace of God do? It disciplines us. It instructs us. It trains us in these things. It teaches us to deny these things. It teaches us to live in this, in this way. And that's for all believers, for all Christians. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training. That's the same word there, training in righteousness. Now we come to the second word, the word um, instruction or admonishment. 1 Corinthians 4.14, Paul says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So he even assumes that this is what a, a parent would do with their child. He, he would admonish them. He sees them doing something wrong, and a loving parent doesn't ignore that. A loving parent doesn't just gloss over it and say, oh, you know, kids will be kids. Um, boys will be boys. Girls will be boy girls. Uh, teenagers will be teenagers or, or whatever it is no a loving parent sees that and warns them and a and a loving body does the same for one another paul's saying as um as he is doing for the corinthians and so a, a thought in regards to this are we in relationships where these things can take place where we're receiving instruction training where we can receive admonishments. I mean, the home's a hard place, and one of the reasons is is because, I mean, a lot of stuff that goes on, you know what's going on, right? I mean, the child is always there under the watchful eye of the parents. Well, what, we come here on Sunday for an hour, two hours, three hours, and we go our way, our separate ways. Is, is would that, I'm not saying that's happening in all the relationships, but if that was all that we saw each other, would that be conducive to this admonishing? And there's other places in the New Testament where he tells us that, I mean, we are to be admonishing one another. Are we in relationships where people know us, know what we're thinking, know what we're doing, to where they could admonish us if need be, and we could admonish them if need be? We want that in the home, don't we? I mean, we want that in the parent-child relationship. But what about in our 
own lives individually? What kind of examples are we being in these things? Are we being instructed by the grace of God's word where we're hearing it, where we're growing, where we're applying it to our life, where we're changing our direction, where we're growing in godliness? Are we in a place where we're admonished when people admonish us? And this could be from a believer or non-believer. And when we're admonished, how do we receive it? What do our kids see? How we receive that admonishment? Could the tables be turned and our kids say, you're in trouble (laughs) because you're not receiving this admonishment like you should? What kind of example are we being as the body being? And he says here, going back to Ephesians 6, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, of the Lord. The discipline and instruction here is to have Jesus as the reference point. He's the reference point. He is the one that this is all based upon, Jesus Christ. This this is discipline and instruction aimed at the heart, not merely looking for outward conformity. It is always to bring them to Christ, bring them to Christ, bring them to the cross, bring them to him in all that we do. In, our tra- in bringing up our children. You know, we talked about Proverbs, that word discipline used uh, multiple times through Proverbs. Colossians 2, I mean, Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if we're going to point them to wisdom, it's pointing them to Christ, isn't it? It's pointing them to, him, to Jesus Christ. Because it's in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. We'll close here and look in Second Timothy 3. We read verse 16. just want to read a verse or two before that about Timothy. Actually, I'll read 2 Timothy 1.5 first. Paul says this to Timothy, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. So here his, his grandmother and his mother bringing Timothy up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And look in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 3. It says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. So that, that's if there's hope for salvation, there it is. It's in bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That here in Timothy, it resulted in coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And you hear of so many people, I mean, when they're long out of the home, saying, I remember this. You know, I, I remember mom and dad teaching me this. I remember this verse. This came to my mind. And, 
and we could fail in a lot of things, but let's not fail to have our homes saturated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We sit down when we rise up, lie down, I mean, all the time, saturated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you how practical it is, Lord. Um, It is your living word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, teaching us these things, Lord. Help us today by your grace, by your spirit. We know you will, in Jesus' name, amen.